Hi, I'm David Jacoby, and on behalf of the whole staff, I just want to thank you for listening and subscribing to Dunkumentaries. Dunkumentaries is a five-episode series of documentary podcasts, not just about, like, dunks and how cool they are, but about specific dunks that change people's lives around the world. I know it sounds super corny, but it's not. It's cool. You're going to love it. We're very happy to present to you Dunkumentaries. I just need to do a quick check-in with our producer, Emma Morgenstern. Hello. Hey, I'm Mr. Kobe. Hey, boss. What's up? So I know you know that SeatGeek is the presenting sponsor of Dunkumentaries, right? Yeah. And I figured since you and Joe have been working so hard on these things and making us re-record everything and making these things great, that the two of you deserve a little fun. Why don't you use SeatGeek and go to a basketball game? It's on me. Oh, cool. Sounds good. Thanks, Jacoby. No problem. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Hello. Hey, Joe. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. Jacoby said he would treat us to a basketball game. You want to go? Oh, my God. That's so nice. Oh, I'm tearing up a little bit. So I'm looking at the SeatGeek app right now, and it actually looks like there are tickets tonight. Um, Who's playing, Emma? It's the Nets Cavs. We get to see LeBron. He's supposed to be really tall. <laughs> I've heard he's pretty good at basketball. I'm going to buy the tickets on SeatGeek. I'm happy to leave it to you. See you in Brooklyn, baby. SeatGeek is your ticket to NBA games, whether or not you're producing a dunking podcast. I'm David Jacoby of Jalen and Jacoby, and this is Dunkumentaries. A podcast miniseries from ESPN that celebrates the dunk in all its glory. This episode is very special to me because it's focused on a personal passion, sneakers. But this isn't the story of basketball and sneakers and Chuck Taylors and Nikes and Jordans and collections and collaborations and collectors and air bubbles and resellers and blah, 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 blah. You know that story. And if you don't, Google it. This is the story of one man who changed a billion dollar sneaker industry, altered the course of his career, legitimately intimidated Michael Jordan and invented the dab, eh, kinda, all in one night. You probably know by now that I am not as much talking about a dunk as I am a pump. Oh, pumping his shoes up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there, first of all, he's got the the Reebok right pump. And the man who made it cool, 21-year-old, six-foot-one Celtics guard, DeCoven Cadell Brown. But you all know him as D. I didn't really hear the crowd, but you look back on it and watch the highlights of it. You hear those guys getting excited about it. You see the crowd standing up. In the 1991 dunk contest, D. Brown became famous as much for his display above the rim as below his ankles. It was an era that birthed one of the silliest, weirdest, yet coolest basketball sneakers to ever hit the shelves. Of course, I'm talking about the 80s. By the time that the late 80s, early 90s is happening, the competition among the largest uh, sneaker manufacturers is sort of reaching a fevered pitch. This is Elizabeth Semelhack, the curator at the Bada Shoe Museum in Toronto. The late 80s saw a technological arms race between the big sneaker companies. Every shoe they put out was designed to either make you cut faster, jump higher, stay safer, and most importantly, look cooler. Nike, of course, was the heavy hitter. 
They'd always offered basketball shoes, but they begin to really put a lot of design and development into creating the next great thing for basketball shoes and ends up coming out with the Air Force One and then the Air Jordan. Converse had the React Juice. Remember Grandmama and all that? Converse with the React Juice. Ready move this way. Juice React. LA Gear had a damn catapult inside the shoe, catapulting Carl Malone all over the place. Everything else is just hot air. Meanwhile, there's a new brand in Boston trying to keep up. Hi, I'm Paul Litchfield, and I was the vice president of Reebok's Advanced Concept Group for nearly 30 years. Paul and his Boston accent and his team were tinkering away in their laboratory, trying to come up with something that would change the game. Eventually, he took some inspiration from a previous profession. For a few years, I was a firefighter when I was, when I was in graduate school. We looked at air splints and things that are, that are used in emergency medical services for stabilizing broken bones and things. These big balloons, also blood pressure cuffs and things like that that can be used to create everything from a, a soft and comfortable fit to a very rigid and harsh fit. Paul and his team looked to build what would essentially be a cross between a leg brace, a blood pressure cuff, and a basketball shoe. They would harness the power of air. He wanted a shoe that looked good, worked well, and had a customizable fit to the foot. He wanted the Reebok Pump. We took a bunch of different components that were there and kind of Frankenstein the thing together. The first versions of the shoe inflated automatically when you walked, which, being totally honest, is cooler than the tongue pump thing that they actually have. But early on, Paul learned that this is not what basketball players were looking for. They wanted to interact with their sneakers. They wanted to pump the shoes themselves. For basketball players to be able to bend over and deliberately inflate or deflate their shoes, it gave them this control and this kind of, uh, I, I think, uh, a little bit of a ritual that, that, they, that they really liked. You gotta give the people what they want, right? They decided to make the inflation system manual, but they had to figure out a way to make the pump on the shoe look cool because fit is important, but not as important as fashion. Paul looked to one of his colleagues, also named Paul, Paul Brown this time, to make it look and feel, you know, cool. About four or five days later, I remember Monday or Tuesday, he came back in with a drawing that was that white shoe with the orange basketball kind of drawn on the tongue. Uh, you know, it was just one of those moments where I was like, holy crap, that's exactly what we need to do. And I just thought that was ingenious. Reebok finally had their thing, a good-looking, form-fitting, customizable shoe that was ready to debut in 1989. But there was one problem. Nike was working on a very similar air pump shoe, and both companies were aiming for the exact same release date. There was literally a race to the finish line where both Nike and Reebok were targeting a public retail launch for the holiday season of 1989. When you were launching a shoe back then, you needed a superstar associated with it. Reebok did not look to D. Brown. That's why I fly with the pump from Reebok. Instead, they went with the human highlight reel, Dominique Wilkins. Custom fit. So, Michael, my man, if you want to fly first class, pump up and air out. This was Reebok's big swing at Goliath, Nike and Michael Jordan. As if you're as old as I am, you remember Nike's response, the David Robinson Nike air pressures. Like David Robinson, the air pressures were technically sound and they were effective, but also like David Robinson, they were huge, and, sorry, David Robinson fans, they weren't cool. 
they had a separate pump you had to like bring with you to the park or the gym and like put it into the back of the sneaker and then pump it up and like put it on the side of the court. They weighed 20 pounds a piece. They kind of looked like snow boots or moon boots. They just like didn't work. I know Nike had a bunch of other things going on, but they didn't make any more pump shoes. That was a big deal to us because without saying anything, it was one of the, one of the big wins for Reebok as a brand. At this point, Reebok is soaring and they're about to be joined by a high flyer. Hi, this is uh, D. Brown, uh, originally from Jacksonville, Florida. D. Brown was not Dominique Wilkins. He joined the Celtics as a rookie in 1990 as the 19th pick in the draft. He was known as a dunker with style. His teammates on the Celtics, Bird, Parrish, McHale, not exactly stylish and definitely not dunkers. Nobody talked about dunking and Celtics in the same sentence. And the dunk contest was different then. Instead of young players on the rise trying to make a name for themselves, like Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine this year, the biggest names in the game, Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Webb, they were the ones taking home the trophies year after year. D. Brown only got a spot because someone else dropped out. I think one of my assistant coaches, John Jennings, really lobbied for me, so that's kind of how I got in. The All-Star game was in Charlotte that year. D, still a rookie, was far from a household name. So we're all sitting there together, and I'm sitting next to Sean Kemp. And at that time, he had the Gumby haircut. That was the, the style back then. One guy says, hey, hey, Sean, is that your little brother? To me, because we had the same haircut. And I, that's when I looked at him. I said, wow, they really don't know who I am. And it was funny. And I said, no, I'm, I'm in the contest. I go, really? Who are you? And I told him who I was. Oh, good luck. Making his first appearance in the Gatorade Slam Dunk Championship this six foot one. I wasn't nervous at all because I was the guy nobody thought would win. So there's no pressure on me. D. Brown. Before he even attempted a dunk, it was clear D was different. Oh, he's pumping his shoes up. Oh, <laughs> If you aren't on Snapchat, you remember this moment. D. Brown bending down, inflating his Reebok pumps, scoring style points before setting his sights on the rim. The best part, Reebok didn't even pay D. to pump his shoes. They didn't ask him to do it. They didn't suggest he do it. They didn't even know he was going to do it. Now he's letting the air out. There you go. At that time, I had a contract with Reebok already, so they didn't tell me to do anything. They didn't tell me to pump my shoes up. That was my idea. I do remember sitting there uh, at my house, having a beverage or two, and watching the slam dunk competition. This is Paul Litchfield again. It was pretty incredible when he bent down and started inflating the shoes. As a Celtics fan, I remember D. Brown doing something I had never seen a Celtic do. Look cool. The haircut, the walk. I remember thinking, I want those sneakers. And I remember thinking, my mom will never buy me those sneakers. I remember the commentators were talking about how he's pumping up the shoes. It was, it was just super cool. You couldn't pay for that kind of advertisement. It became kind of unscripted marketing gold. And so this rather theatrical moment uh, gets translated for Reebok into greater notoriety and increased sales and popularity. That's Elizabeth Semelhack again. Now I never got Reebok pumps, but I definitely bent down and pretended I did, mimicking Dee Brown, even though they weren't pumps. It's just an iconic gesture that was woven into basketball culture. A true marketer's dream. It was a mix of function, fashion, performance, and cool that's just priceless.
Here's the thing about sports. You can look and act as cool as you want, but none of it matters if you don't win. D backed it up with the dunks. By the time he got to the final round, he had already clinched the win. But still, he knew his last dunk had to be special. And honestly, whether he pumped the shoe or not, this contest might be forgotten, if not for his final dunk. So while I run up there, well, they're not going to know if my eyes are closed, if they're behind me or, you know, it's not on TV. So he's already started his dunk. He's running toward the basket, and he's still making decisions about exactly what he's going to do. Kind of was a progression while I was running from just closing my eyes to hand over my eyes to whole arm over my eyes. The man's a genius. He's not just going to dunk with his eyes closed. He's going to dunk and show you that his eyes are closed. So he tucks his face into the inside of his elbow and then completes the dunk. It was brilliant. It was exciting. It was also the invention of the dad. Oh my, that, that's the carry on the Sunday. 25 years later, either we'll be talking about the guy who ran to the side of the backboard or the guy who made the no-look dunk. The blind dunk. Of course, he nailed it. The no-look dunk. He's been watching the champions. With the sneakers, with the eyes closed, with the arm over the eyes, unknown D. Brown took down the dunk contest. He put himself and Reebok pumps on the map, and he was the toast of the town at every party during All-Star Weekend. And as we know, after the party is the after party. You know, and I'm a rookie, you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 21. People are like trying to get my autograph and take pictures, and I'm sitting in this room with Michael Jordan and the VIP section, all the players, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, you know, all, all the All-Star guys are there. Somehow, amidst all the chaos, I got locked in a alley in one of the back corridors at the hotel with Michael Jordan, with his security. So I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like this, I'm, you know, listen, I just won a dunk contest, but now I'm a winner. I'm, I'm here by myself with Michael Jordan. At that time, you know, to me, still the greatest player that I've ever seen personally to play against. But before D gets to tell Jordan how much of a fan he is, Jordan shows him his trademark competitiveness. He goes, hey, you did a great job out there, young fella. You know, nice show you put on. But uh, you know you started the shoe wars. I go, well, what does that mean? It all happened so fast that it hadn't occurred to D that while he just won the contest, he was also challenging the biggest athletic shoe company and the biggest athlete. You know, you started shoe wars. And, you know, now, you know, as much as I want to crush you on the court, I got to crush you off the court. The pump would have some success, all thanks to D. Brown. That sent what was a very, very successful product line into the stratosphere. And D. would hang a lot of his legacy on that 1991 dunk contest. People don't talk about me for 11 months out of the year. But always around February, when it's the dunk contest time, my name pops up. But we also know the Goliath of Michael Jordan and Nike squashed Reebok and their pump and D. Brown underneath the sole of their Air Jordan. Even Dominique, Allen Iverson, and of all people, Shaq, wouldn't be able to compete with the power of Air Jordan and his shoe empire. Reebok won the pump battle, but Nike won the war. But all that was in the future. In that one moment, locked in an alley with Michael Jordan, all D. Brown knew was he was terrified. It just happens so fast when the greatest player on the planet tells you that he's going to crush you. 
<laughs> you know, do you know what you just did out there? I didn't know. I really, I didn't know the magnitude. This episode was produced by me, Joe Fuentes, Emma Morgenstern, and some help from Ryan Nantel. Mixing and sound design by Mitra Caboli. Special thanks to the NBA for letting us use all of their audio. Subscribe to Dunkumentaries on iTunes or in the Listen tab of the ESPN app so you can listen to the other four episodes. If you want to see D Brown's famous pumping moment or the no-look dunk, go to ESPN.com slash Dunkumentaries. Find us on Twitter. That's at Dunkumentaries, D-U-N-K-U-M-E-N-T-A-R-I-E-S. I'm David Jacoby. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Carrie Champion. And on the next episode of Dunkumentaries, when Dr. James Naismith invented basketball, he didn't put much thought into hanging the hoop at 10 feet, but that one little decision led to the emergence of the dunk. The dunk is physical. When you dunk, you're doing it to someone. And then, a rule change in 1979 altered the dunk's place in basketball forever. Hear the contentious history of the dunk and dunkumentaries. 